For two plus decades now, Blue October has been stirring audiences. We've watched, followed, and loved them from the early beginnings of Hate Me to whatever they show us tomorrow. We bleed blue, and many of us have used that blue blood and this amazing music to get through our own experiences. It's always been there. Welcome to Just Sway, the Blue Experience, where your host, Lucas Peterson, takes on and shares everything Blue October. Let's Just Sway. There are few things in life that have the power to bring back memories like music does. And with Blue October, it's one of those things where most fans can recall exactly where they were when they first heard their music. My name is Lucas Peterson, and welcome to Just Sway. This is Episode 3, Origins, Part 2, the continuation of our journey into the different ways some have connected with Blue October and their music. Remember, if you enjoy Just Sway, please do me a favor and leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for Just Sway Show. I would love to hear and see what you have to say about the podcast, or just leave me a note and let's talk some more Blue October. We begin with Jason McGuire. Some of you listening might not necessarily know his name, but I can guarantee you'd recognize some of his images as he's been photographing Blue October for quite a number of years now. A fan first, and then a friend of Justin and the band, Jason's take with Justin and the band is not necessarily what you might expect. I talked with Jason and his wife Crystal a few months ago, and he really opened up about his own trials and daily demons, and how the things in his life allowed him to get more in touch with the music. But first, we begin with how Blue October came into his viewfinder. I didn't know anything about him. Like my, the very first time I heard him, like I said, was that the song "Hate Me," and. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Bear Share and LimeWire, for introducing me to them back right. in the day. That's the only way I would have even known who they were, because at that time, their, their music was nowhere in the East Coast to be found, and I didn't know who they were. And the only reason I ever really became a bigger fan than what I was at that time with that very limited amount of music of theirs was because the girl I was dating at the time said, hey, that band that you listen to all the time is going to be playing um, at... Terminal 5 in New York City you want to go and I'm like yeah and then we went and then just it was lucky that I lived in the New York area because I was able to go to New York Philly New Jersey you know Boston all these different places there's so many venues really close that I was able to hit really close and that's I just happened to be in the right place at the right time you know and I was going through a really really bad space in my life when I first heard that and I guess I was one of those people that thought like my pain is only my pain. Nobody else's pain is anything like mine and y'all can't complain about your pain. (laughs) And that's why I thought like, Oh my God, this guy listening to him being, you know, whiny about how bad his life is. This, this rock star. Right. Uh, And then I started listening a little bit deeper and listening to some of the songs and thinking all that. I, I, I relate to that for lack of a better term. I feel like I carry a chip on my shoulder about my life. Sometimes, you know, we all have our own, kind of stories to tell about our lives and we all think that our pain is is unique and individual but the thing is that everybody has shit they're dealing with everybody's lives have similar 
cords. People that have like stuff that goes on in their life, whether they're dealing with drugs or alcohol or you know self harm or mental illness or you know all these different things that go on in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a place in my life. I, I just was in a, in a very bad spot in my life, and I didn't think that anybody else had any right to to feel sorry for me. Mm-hmm. It was it was mine and mine alone, and you can't share my pain until I heard this music, and then that's why I, I literally was like, dude, this guy's writing about me, and this kind of sucks because this is mine. But that allowed me to get more in touch with that music, and that's where I think I started to like them. And like this tattoo on my foot, you know, she's my north wind when I go south. My life did take a similar trajectory in some ways. Mm-hmm. At a certain point in my life, I felt like I was in a spot where I thought my life was in a, in a good spot. I thought it was. And then I found out it wasn't. And a lot of my anger and angst was <laughs> was probably direct at the other person and losing what normalcy I thought I had in my life. And then being on my own and being self-destructive and being in a bad place um, and not being a good person. And then getting myself into another relationship and situation that I didn't want to be in but didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And then there was kind of that awakening spot where I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I got to do something different than this. And then moving out of that and then actually finding what I, what I de- determined is true happiness in a place that Justin is talking about now with his life with Sarah and Gunner and Sadie and, you know, where the band is at and, and some of the trials and things that were going on with him and the way he's worked through that and kind of some of the ups and downs. And I felt like it was the same. And that's one of the things he's been saying a lot on Instagram and, and talking to me is how proud he is and look how far we've come and, you know, how we were both damaged people at this one point when we knew each other and we're both in a much different place in our lives and our careers and our and our family lives and things like that. And I think a lot of people get that and I don't think a lot of people have been along for the whole ride I think a no. lot of people have gotten yeah. on the ride at a certain spot yeah for sure you know if you got on the ride at I hope you're happy and that's all you know yeah you know you wouldn't even I was one of those people but I know the backstory because of you because yeah. you have shared so much with we, me otherwise you, I like you were a know. sway person really like you came yeah. in like during sway and mm-hmm. stuff like that like we you know we are that well I was that stereotypical person when we got married you know Blue October played at our wedding nice um because I did the playlist. <laughs> and it wasn't our main one, right? But it was in there. And it was was it that. the first dance song? We didn't do a dance. You didn't do a we, dance. Well, either. we did. It wasn't a dance, yeah. but it was it was in the the dance mix. Um, we did a lot of songs, but there was only one Blue October, and it was Balance Beam. Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't a traditional, yeah. you know. That's one of those that's. 18th floor balcony type songs. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. was, it, it was balanced being because, you know, there's a couple things you need to know. And it wasn't so much that that was for everybody else. That was for me. There's a couple things I need to know. You know, tell her that she's beautiful. You know, tell her that she's, you know, that's, this is my wife. I wasn't going to get married. You know, I was at a point in my life where I thought I was past all that and wasn't going to do that. And then this kind of thing happened and. I mean, come on, me, six kids. It Who opened my eyes. That? You know, my my Aww. life changed overnight. Yeah. You know, I went from it didn't change overnight. Let me let me let me change that. I, I still carry those same bags. Mm-hmm. I can just carry them better. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I yeah. still have the same baggage. I just I just know how to stow it better. Right, it's not spilling out in my in everything. I still have my bad days. Uh, I I suffer from mental illness, and one of the things I learned with myself is that a lot of what you go through 
can be your own self pity, your own self, you know, kind of some of the things Justin says, like you have to pick, be able to pick yourself up. Mm-hmm. You can't rely on other people to make you happy. You can't rely on someone else to do it for you. You can't, there's a lot of things in there that you have to just do. And I just, I wanted to be different. You know, I, I wanted to make a, a, a different place in my life. There are days, every day, there's something. Whether you wake up in the morning, you look outside and it's cloudy and you're like, oh man, it's going to be one of those days. Or you know, whatever, I'm just going to you know, kick in the balls and just keep going kind of day. You know what I mean? You gotta take it kind of slowly. You gotta hurry up and make you move. You gotta tell her that she's pretty. Thank you, Jason, for being so honest and forthcoming. I know a lot of people can relate. You don't have to be a fan of Blue October to have had a bad day, definitely. And leaning towards music on those bad days is a common thing for most Blue October fans. Ashley, however, while she does love the music, that's not what initially hooked and pulled her in. For Ashley, it was something different, something special and incredibly unique to plenty of other fans. And Jason touched on it a little bit. It was that way in which we all somewhat feel like Justin is singing about or to us directly. I think the very first Blue October song that I ever heard would have been Calling You. And it's because that is one that my stepdad and my mom always liked to listen to when I was younger. And then I didn't really start to take an interest in them until... I think it was 2014 and I saw I had just started going to concerts and you know I really loved going I I still do that's my favorite thing is to go to concerts so I saw that this band that I didn't know uh, I didn't know a whole lot of their songs but I knew that the ones that I had heard I enjoyed and I saw that they were coming to Wichita and that was my thing. So, of course, I bought the ticket. And then I saw that the meet and greet was only $50. So I said, hell yes, buying that, <laughs> bought it. And then the day of the show comes. And I had actually invited someone to go with me and got stood up. But I was like, you know, meet and greet with Blue October. I'm still going to have a good time. and. I went and, you know, the meet and greet is the first thing that they do. I went and met them first and talked with them. And they were some of the most genuine people that, at least uh, famous people, or, you know, um, that I have ever spoke with. That does it for me. You know, it's not all about the music itself, but who's singing it? and um, how they treat other people also. And so um, I was immersed in this whole culture and meeting them and then seeing their show. And I I was just sold on the whole thing right then. And I had just started finding out about my own mental illness stuff and dealing with all of those feelings also. After I left that concert, I went and I was on YouTube all the time listening to just the different, the different songs that they had out. Also joined a bunch of Facebook groups and 
was just, I was really just looking for someone to talk to mm -hmm. because I knew that if I'm a fan of Blue October and they do that for me, you know, they help me with my mental stuff that other people have to feel that too, at least some. So um, I joined uh, just a couple of the Facebook groups and I posted on there, I posted on one of them about that I had just found out that I was diagnosed with a bipolar disorder or that I was feeling those feelings that I had that and had anyone gone through it that I could talk to and ask some questions. I think I got like 40 messages in response to that post. Wow. On a Blue October page. And see, that did it, that sold it for me even more. <laughs> so, you know, I talked to a couple of people. We we became friends and and we had we just had like a friendly relationship where we would talk over messenger and we we were in the same groups on facebook and everything else and <laughs> i want to know more if you can tell me just about how the music helped you what did that music do for you in that time when you're going about your own struggles and in in coming to that to your own bipolar diagnosis or mental illness diagnosis however you want to say it what was it that with the music, what, what struck you, what helped you? Oh, uh, well, uh, for starters, most of the people that were, that I was surrounded by in my life when I was living in Kansas were less than supportive of the idea that I had some sort of mental disorder. You know, I was told that, that it was a phase that all the, all college students, students have that, you know, that it's just depression from being stressed out and this, that, and the other. And also, I had a child when I was a freshman in high school, so <laughs> that doesn't help. Mm -hmm. But it, I knew, I felt like it was something different because I, I would go from just being so happy and so overjoyed to, you know, just kind of wanting to die. And and it wasn't always because someone said something to me that upset me or that something happened that upset me. It would just happen randomly. And I, I started noticing it. I don't know what it was that caused me to notice it, but I started noticing it and, and really started thinking about how much of a problem it was and how often it was that I just felt so worthless and, and hopeless and, and listening to to Justin sing in his songs and what his lyrics, what he's talking about, and he's gone through that. Mm -hmm. He he knows what it's like to be there. And for me, it was like that's the first person that I've heard talk about some of the stuff or sing about some of the stuff that I was feeling in my own life that I didn't even understand. It was just insightful and it made me feel a lot less alone, even though I didn't, I'm not personal friends with Justin. I, I don't ever claim to be, but it, I feel like he is a close personal friend just because, you know, of that relationship that I have with his music and his lyrics.
I can certainly relate to exactly what Ashley is saying there. Being Blue October fans, the access we have to the band, whether through social media, at meet and greets before concerts, or if you're fortunate enough to run into one of the guys out in public somewhere, it's absolutely unparalleled from any other artist. They are truly some of the nicest guys, the nicest famous people you can meet. And according to Keev, they've always been that way. Keeve has been following the band for over 20 years and is a great source for anything you want to know about Blue October, anything related to the band. In fact, when I was prepping for the first couple of interviews, I saw a post on Facebook in one of the forums from Keeve with a list of every single Blue October concert ever, every time they've performed. It's an amazing list. And similar to Ashley's story, with of course a little twist, Keeve wasn't necessarily first grabbed by the music, but more so by the charisma of the band members themselves, and Justin's stage performance at an outdoor festival he accidentally ended up at. I got love for the family. Well, it could be a very long story, or I could abbreviate it, but um, <laughs> basically I had just moved away from my parents' house. I was going to college. This was 1999. Um, it was around the time when you could first get the internet in your house and uh, before that there was no like I loved music I loved seeing bands play live on you know the tonight show or Saturday Night Live but being in a, in a small town in Kansas there really wasn't we didn't have a local radio station that played you know current music so moving away to college was really my first time when I had an opportunity to go to concerts and I wanted to see all my favorite bands um, that summer so I wanted to see Pearl Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Incubus, Stone Temple Pilots, 311, Foo Fighters. I, I went to all those concerts. And the Stone Temple Pilots concert was, uh, they were headlining an all-day festival. And I didn't know that. I just, the time on the ticket said noon is when it started. And I thought that was weird. But I went there and showed up at noon and realized it was, you know, 20 different bands. And the first one to play at noon was Blue October. And it was right before their, it was a few months before their album Consent to Treatment came out. Um, I didn't even know about the Answers album. I just thought Consent to Treatment was their first album because that was the first one that I bought after their, I was blown away by their set. And then after their set, um, they had a little tent where you could meet the bands and there was hardly anybody there yet because the festival had just begun. But so I was the only person who went to meet them. And then we just hung out the rest of the day and watched the other bands and I got, uh, became friends with them and then started going to all their shows and helping them uh, promote their shows here. And That's a cool first story. I like that one. Yeah. Yours is a lot better than mine. <laughs> I like yours. But uh, it was definitely Matt Noveski. He was the one who came up to me and was like, hey, what's your name? You know, and like really treated me not like, you know, they're rock stars and everyone else is you know, lesser beings or something. Uh, he really treated me like, uh, like a friend, basically from the, from the first incident I met him. That's cool. So you've known these guys, my gosh, almost well coming up. Yeah, on about almost, twenty years. Yeah, about twenty years. Yeah. Holy cow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you're. So, uh, yeah, I've seen them go from nothing to everything, back to, you know, you know, getting dropped from the record label and, you know, becoming famous and. And still, it's kind of amazing. I feel lucky to have chosen two of the favorite bands that I have. 
which are Pearl Jam and Blue October, which of the bands that started around the same time as them, they're kind of like the only ones left that are still going with their original guys and, you know, still making new music. I think that says you have good taste. Yeah. <laughs> well, but like so many other bands, like you think like their singers have committed suicide or died from drug overdoses or, yeah. or the, or the bands broke up. And, and um, I remember like, you know, everybody that was a, a kid in the nineties who liked rock music remembers when Kurt Cobain died. But then like when Lane Staley died, I remember thinking like, I'm not going to delay seeing my favorite bands live because I don't know how long they're going to be around. You know, I got to do it while you can. So when you first saw them, I mean, when we're talking about music that old, man, I can't even, I can't even think of any songs that they would have been playing for that. But what was, well, what they, were the at, their fir- at their first show, they basically played the entire consent to treatment album okay. as their show. And the first song they played was Angel. Maybe there was one song off that album they didn't play. Because I remember when I bought the album, I knew all the songs already from their shows. And it was kind of a concept album, at least the way they played it during the concert. It's like every song was part of a story that they told throughout the show. Yeah, you don't really see them do that anymore. When Approaching Normal came out, they did play the entire album in the show for a few months, but uh, okay, yeah, that was the last time I saw him yeah, play uh, an album back to you know front to back, front to back, but, sure. Well, and now, but yeah, it was it was basically like he told the story of you know having to go to the psychiatrist and and uh, and you know tell every shrink the same damn thing, and then having to be committed to a mental hospital and you know wanting to murder your friend and get out and you're stronger and and it was it's a very roller coaster emotional story but you know you always come out stronger on the other side at the end is uh, you know the story of a lot of their music yeah so talk more about that like what was it about the music because you saw the music first and then you went and met the band what was yeah. it about the music that you connected with well that first song angel the the lyrics really grabbed me because the first line in the song is, how do you tell an angel that you don't believe in God? Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I felt like I had been in a similar situation where, like, you have a really, I had a really close friend who was uh, the daughter of a minister, and then I was starting to not believe in God, and I was, you know, having trouble, you know, <laughs> you know, having our friendship weather that and uh, being able to tell her that. And uh, I thought, you know, it, that's something I've never heard any band, you know, capture that in a song, uh, something that was that poignant to my life. And then just everything after that, but the story they told on stage, even though, you know, I've never had mental illness or had been committed to a mental hospital or had depression or, or uh, drug addiction, but I could really relate to the emotion he was putting into, into his singing. How do you tell an angel that you don't believe in God? And why do I feel like such a stranger? 
and then just to see um you know having a violin basically as the lead instrument that was really unique that was the first band i ever seen do that in a rock band with a yeah. dude that sometimes had blue hair <laughs> yeah well he had the devil horns at the first show okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> ryan oh man yeah, that that was uh, one of the things I remember as well was the the blue hair with the double horns and the bright blue violin and just like what is this? Like holy shit, this is something different. And and I remember um, as Justin was telling the stories behind the songs and singing the songs, you kind of got the the idea that like uh, well, like this guy's really like unstable and kind of crazy. Like he could kind of go off at any moment. It was it was almost scary exciting and frightening and very real like it wasn't just like hey i'm singing about sex drugs and rock and roll and doing this to get chicks and make money and have fun like like this was real deep music mm -hmm. and that was different than I, I mean i saw a bunch of other bands that day and they were great but like none of them connected to me like blue october did and i was also looking i definitely like moving out of my parents house being out on my own for the first time and kind of finding my own way in life, I was looking for new music to connect to. It, it, it like I found them at the right time. I was, I was wanting a band that was similar enough to the bands I already liked, but was something new and unique. And they were exactly what I was looking for at that time. I love the flashback to the blue devil horns from a decade and a half ago. And I referenced it a little bit there with Keeve, my first time seeing Blue October so many years ago now, but that also came up when I first talked with Tamara about her story. A warning here before we get into this bit of the show. First, this is adult-related content. If you are listening with younger people around, now would be the time to pause the show and come back later. As well, some of what you are about to hear is sensitive material and may be triggering for some. Just Sway is not meant to be taken or listened to for any professional advice or counseling. The views expressed here are that of myself and or my guests. If you feel that you need help, I strongly encourage you to please seek professional help from an appropriate licensed professional. My first experience with them was I went to a Sister Hazel concert okay. in Minnesota. Okay. No idea who this opening band Blue October was. Mm -hmm. July 2003. Mm -hmm. My oldest son was in utero, in right. the belly, about, well, less than a month from being born. And, you know, my wife at the time, we, I remember her telling me, like, he was just dancing around. He loved all of it. Mm -hmm. So the opening band to Sister Hazel at the Minnesota Zoo that night was Blue October. Mm -hmm. And they sang a few songs, and I think it came, probably came to Calling You. Because that was a big one at the time. That was, that was know, climbing. The, yeah. That was their original big hit, kind of put them on the charts. And it was just like, who is this? You know, it was just absolutely amazing. I'm like, I, I got to get more of this stuff. So, you know, bought the album, met the band afterwards. I don't remember a lot of it, but I do remember meeting them. Right. And I rem remember Ryan had the horn hair going uh -huh. on at that time. Uh-huh. And he played the blue violin. I'm like, who is this dude, you know? He's but a badass. The, yeah, exactly. He's like, I mean, you could tell he was I knew he was super talented at that time, but it was just like, who is this guy? And who's this lead singer dude? And, you know, obviously get get back and listen to more of their songs. And was like, okay, yeah, this is awesome. Because I think they might have done eight songs to open, as an opener does. But it was 
one of those occasions where you see the opener and holy shit. Yeah. You know, so there's my first experience. So tell me, how did you first kind of come into your Blue October world? My Blue October world, um, I was working uh, as the makeup artist slash uh, sales manager at uh, Nordstrom uh, Stonebar. We're all avant-garde and we're into things that aren't like normally like that popular that day. Uh-huh. So one of my friends, she was listening to Quiet Mind. Okay. And I was like, who is this? Which is from History for Sale. Right. Yep. And um, I was like, and then I started listening to the words. And I'm one of those people that I just, I don't hear the words. I don't hear the music. I hear them both. And I find that a lot of people hear one or the other more. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was just like digging it. And then I got to Angel. And... That song resonated with me sure. so much. The recorded version of Angel. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, when I was in 2001, so it's probably around the same time I started listening to him. Okay. 2001, uh, I was diagnosed bipolar. And um, I was had overdosed, and they had to bring me back to life in the hospital. And so for a long time, and I know especially at that period of time, I felt like I was bipolar instead of diagnosed bipolar. And so Angel really resonated with me because my mom, she always says, well, can't you be happy? Just be happy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, sure. Only if I wanted to, you know. And, but, uh there was also a sexual assault in my past that kicked that off. And so Angel really is like a deeply personal song for me. Um, Cause in eighth grade, unfortunately I had some things happen to me and it took me a long time to come out and actually say it. Um, Cause I'm from a small town. I'm from the Bible belt and he was a big football player and Thank God, I, I think, thank God th- these days that the only thing that I regret about that is that I didn't say it and there may be other victims. Sure. But, um, I guess I've worked it out on my own terms. I mean, through therapy and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. in through in a lot of music. I mean, music to me is like how I feel. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. So Angel was like... My theme song. And not that that's a great theme song to have, but <laughs> at the time it was because I was bipolar and I encompassed everything that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found out that Justin was talking about being diagnosed bipolar. And so that really resonated with me. And I was like, look, he's so talented and he's got things going for him. And, and just a lot of things like that. But as I began to grow and their music began to grow, everything began to grow. And so like a quiet mind at one point in time, it used to mean exactly what he says um, is that one part of my body is good. One part is bad. Mm -hmm. So one part's fighting the other. And um, now today, like honestly, and there was a time where I had a tattoo that one part was good and one part was dying. 
today I'm getting that covered up with all beautiful things because that's how big my turnaround of life and the encompass and everything that I've been through has turned because I don't see myself as two different parts anymore and I don't see myself as bipolar. I see myself as diagnosed. I have a condition that I'm treating. Yeah. And I have stuff that I've been through and we've all been through. Unfortunately, we've all been through crap. I just love Blue October because they, you know, Justin said he'd never sell out. And I believe it was around the time we started listening to him. I love the fact that, you know, don't sell out. There's too many Nickelbacks in the world, you know, that all their music, you can fit all their music in one little box. And, uh, well, explain what you mean by selling out in those terms when you're saying that, when you're using that. Uh, I mean, like, it would have been really easy for them to follow the cash cow and keep on making into the oceans and hate me's and, and, but that's not what he was going through. Mm-hmm. So then he comes out with this album. Um, I know it was an album after, um, uh, there's foiled and then there was, um, Approaching normal. Approaching normal. Yep. And that was on their old record label. And then he came out with Any Man in America. And oh my gosh, there's not a lot of people. And unfortunately, I've been through that situation too. It takes balls to do that. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of balls because you're losing a battle that nobody wins. Kids lose, courts are corrupt parents lose a lot of people don't understand because they haven't been through it um as far as like parental alienation and mine had abduction um child abduction in it too people get sick of hearing the same story over and over and over again so i used to turn up any man in america and just jam out to it and i know that it's about a man and but i feel like you know all these things that, like, when I sing the songs, um, my fiancé laughs at me because he's like, I guess the lyrics for you are interchangeable. And for many of us, those lyrics are interchangeable. You certainly don't have to be one or the other, male or female, to understand and relate with some of the things Justin sings about. As well, obviously you don't have to have been a fan of Blue October during the darker Any Man in America days to experience or listen to that time period because all of their albums are now just a click away. And I think that's a common thing that happens with newer fans today, where they get exposed to this current music and the present state of Justin and the band, and then maybe they wander down the path into some older stuff. That's exactly what happened with Jennifer. Her first memories of Blue October were from the days of Hate Me, and she didn't listen to them again until discovering their music through another fan, who happens to also be your host, me. And Jennifer might not have experienced the darker Justin days as they were happening, but that doesn't stop her from being able to relate to and appreciate the music and the mood from that time. I listened to them like 10 years ago, probably 10, 15 years ago when Hate Me came out, and mm-hmm. wasn't like a huge fan, you know, I just... I like their songs, and then I never really knew much more past that until we met. And you were like, do you know Blue October? Oh, yeah. Oh, hate me. 
And you're like, no, they have a lot of more songs than that. <laughs> so that's when I started listening to them. Because I remember <clears throat> when we were talking, I was like, oh, I like this song. Oh, I like this song. Mm-hmm. And then I just started listening to them. I think Fear and Sway were my favorite at first. Those were your favorite at first? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, of course, the worry list. And then that whole album. So what was it, if you can think mm-hmm. back to when you heard those or what those mean to you, even maybe still now, those three songs, which are very different songs, mm-hmm. what do you think it is about each one of those songs, Fear, <coughs> Sway, The Worry List, that kind of grabbed well, you? I think The Worry List, and I've talked to you about it too, just with, he ha- it was, you know, of course, about his daughter. And then I kind of, with my kids and my, you know, that whole thing, the custody and stuff and, you know, saying he didn't walk out. I didn't walk out. You know, it just, it brings me to tears almost every time I hear it. Mm-hmm. Fear is more being on my own now and I don't need him or anybody else. You know, it's just, you know, I stand up on my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go when ahead. he sang Fear, like, at the concert. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always liked Fear, but then, you know, he's telling that story about, you know, his addiction and all that stuff. And then he starts singing that song. I mean, I told you, I was, like, almost, like, in tears just listening to it because you can feel his pain and his, you know, in that song, I think, and overcoming that. And yeah, and his fight. Yes. You're talking about the bus story. Yes. When he talks about, he has to tell himself mm-hmm. every day, every morning, yeah, how to, or that he has to get up mm-hmm. and how it always works out. Like, that's the overall theme for that story because he says it right at the end. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's done that story now. Did you do it every concert? Well, I, when I saw him in June in Abilene, yep, he did it. He's refined it as, um, quite a bit mm-hmm. to where it's much more streamlined it's it, it's all the same content it's it's almost like he's elaborated to a certain degree he's used a few artistic embellishments mm-hmm. i guess you would say but it's a cool story and i think what you're talking about is so many people can relate and see i know that you have anxiety and mm-hmm. you deal with some of that and so many people do what is it, when when you hear somebody like that who's up there and just completely arms wide open, <laughs> vulnerable, what does that <laughs> feel like? You can relate on a certain level. I mean, I don't relate on the addiction level, obviously, mm-hmm. but the anxiety level. And it's not my anxiety's not like like that. I mean, it's not terrible, but I do struggle with it and it is every day you have to just keep going forward. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, it's just—it's hard to explain. Yeah, <laughs> it, I think that's one of the things that uh, that's so unique about him and their music is that it can ac- encapsulate so much of that feeling that we can't put into black and white words. And it just—and he does it. Mm-hmm. You know, he does it with—he does it with words, obviously. Mm-hmm. And with melodies, you know, and rhymes and stuff like that. And um, his songs are stories, obviously, of things that happened in his life. 
And I just think some, you know, you can relate to some of that on a certain level. Yeah. Worry List has a happier kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's not quite as dark as some yeah. other ones on that. Yeah, Worry yeah. List was on, oh my gosh, Any Man <laughs> in America. Why, <laughs> blank yeah. there. No, wait, Stay was as well. They're both from the same album. They're both from the same time period. So they're both part of his not being able to see his daughter, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. first wife keeping. He was kind of angry on that album. He's <laughs> really angry on that album. Yeah. yeah. So you're a newer fan in the grand scheme of things. The reason I say that with a ton of qualification is you're a newer fan in the sense of knowing the backstory. A lot of people were fans of their music mm-hmm. in 2002, 2003. Yeah. But I had no clue. Correct. His story. Mm-hmm. And, and his <laughs> story then was... He was a young guy that dealt with demons. Like, that was his his story. That was what came through in the music. You know, in Foiled and History for Sale, that's what came out. And basically this dude with a big heart that got trampled on all the time. So, like, for yourself, you know, a fan for, well, I mean, if you call it, qualify that as a fan for the last year, and where Justin is in a completely different space than, you know, 15 years ago. What does it mean mm-hmm. knowing that whole story and going back and feeling that whole story and then having the ending? I think it's it's cool because his their album now that just came out is so different, mm-hmm. you know. It's so much more upbeat. And if you look back and it's just, it's kind of, you know, it's, mad sad and it just gradually you know as his addictions getting you know he's getting control over his addiction you can tell with his music he's just in a way different spot mm-hmm. than he was back then yeah i hope you're happy that's what you're talking yeah. about I hope you're that album i mean i hope you're happy the song is i mean we talked about it like this sounds so different than anything you know, from the past albums. Yeah. Wait, it's a happy song. <laughs> well, I hope you're happy too, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Sway. If you have been a blue fan for a long time and know every lyric, or if you're brand new, welcome. No matter who you are, you are at home with the rest of us in loving this band, this music, and these men behind it. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure to check out Blue October live on their tour. They're some of the hardest working artists out there. So no matter when you're listening to this, I can bet there's a show near you sometime soon. If you would like to talk with me about your own Blue October story, please connect with me through either the Just Sway Facebook or Instagram page. I would love to talk with you and share your story. Finally, until the next time you hear my voice, keep graceful dancing. And you're a superstar on your own.